Attitudes are contagious. Attitudes are contagious. Is yours worth catching? Seven seven six one. Winning with attitude, part three. Thank you for joining, brothers of the word, because brother, you need the word. <laughs> we welcome all of you joining us by television, and those of you joining us online at brothersoftheword.com or Facebook Live. Welcome to today's service. Always a wonderful delight and joy to have you to tune in and join us would like to share just a little humor. Someone said, I've sure gotten old. I've had two bypass surgeries, a hip replacement, new knees, fault prostate cancer, and diabetes. I'm half blind, can't hear anything quieter than a jet engine. I take 40 different medications that make me dizzy, winded, and subject to blackouts have bouts with dementia, have poor circulation, hardly feel my hands and feet anymore, can't remember if I'm 85 or 92, have lost all my friends, but thank God I still have my Florida driver's license. (laughs) Well, we are doing part three of something we started a couple of weeks ago entitled Winning with Attitude, Winning with Attitude, Winning with Attitude. And we define attitude as an inward feeling expressed by outward behavior. Attitude is your approach to life. It's your outlook on life and it's determined by what you focus on. Your attitude is determined by what you focus on and how you readily adjust yourselves. Now, our attitude is formed by several different things. Your attitude is formed by your experiences. You know, someone could have had bitter experiences early in life and that has shaped their attitude. Your attitude is influenced or shaped by your environment. Those you associate with, that has a part to play in your attitude. Your attitude is made up of your self-image, how you see yourself, how you view yourself, how you feel about yourself, what you think about yourself. That has a role to play in your attitude. And then probably the most dominant part of our attitude is actually our attitude is shaped by our thoughts. Our thoughts. Our thoughts shape our attitude. Your thoughts determine how you feel. Your thoughts determine how you feel. Let me give you this little exercise. Close your eyes for a moment. Now just picture that your home just burned down. Just picture that. Just feel that for a moment. 
All right, now open your eyes. Now, you had a sudden feeling of sadness, didn't you? A little grief there, a little feeling of loss. You thought about your belongings gone, your treasured place gone. But see, that was nothing but your thoughts. See, your thoughts determine how you feel. So your thoughts begin to affect your emotions. Your thoughts affect your emotions. And so our thoughts are probably the most dominant part of our attitude. Our thoughts are the most dominant part of our attitude. I like something that Bob Conklin wrote. He said, I can make you rise or fall. I can work for you or against you. I can make you a success or a failure. I control the way that you feel and the way that you act. I can make you laugh, work, love, I can make your heart sing with joy, exuberance, and elevation. Or I can make you wretched. I can make you dejected, morbid. I can make you sick, listless. I can be as a shackle, heavy, attached, and burdensome. Or I can be as the prism's hue, dancing, bright, fleeting, Lost forever unless captured by pen or purpose. I can be nurtured and grown to be great and beautiful, seen by the eyes of others through action in you. I can never be removed, only replaced. What am I? I am thought. I am thought. I'm your thoughts. And so our thoughts shape our attitude because your thoughts determine how you feel and how you feel plays out into you expressing your attitude to others. The outward display of your inward feelings, that's your attitude. And so how you feel is affected by your thoughts. And so our thoughts shape our attitude. Our thoughts shape our attitude. It's no wonder, and remember we're teaching primarily from the book of Philippians, but no wonder Philippians is called the attitude, what well, I have termed the phrase, Philippians is the attitude book of the Bible. You know, I've actually never heard anyone else say that, so that's original from me. But anyway, <laughs> Philippians is the attitude book of the Bible. I believe it is. I believe it's the best illustration of having a positive attitude in the whole Bible. I believe it's the best book that teaches us about attitude than any other book in the Bible. I believe it's the book of Philippians. But check this out. Philippians 4.8. It teaches us about our thoughts. No wonder. Because our thoughts affect our feelings. And our feelings display themselves in our attitude. And so Philippians 4.8 says, Think on those things that are pure and lovely. Those things that are of good report. Those things that are praiseworthy. Those things that have virtue, those things that are good. Fill your thoughts with good things because the writer of Philippians knows Paul had a winning attitude. And so he wanted to inspire others with the secret that he had been using in his own life that affected his attitude. He wanted to share that secret with others. So Philippians 4.8 is a master key to having a winning attitude. Winning with attitude. And that's thinking on good thoughts. Making sure that you govern your thoughts and have good positive thoughts about yourself, about your circumstance, about others. Always think good things. No matter what's going on, always find something good to focus on. Someone says that the day may be bad, but there's always something good in it. There's always something good. Even if the day is not good, there's always something good in it that you can find. 
But somebody else said that every day is good, and if you don't believe it, try missing one of them. Every day is good. There's something good in every day. If nothing else, just for you to see that day, that's good. That means you're still alive. You're still here with us. So every day, in every circumstance, always look for the good. Always look for something good to dwell on because your thoughts affect your attitude. It affects your feelings. It affects your attitude because that's the display of your feelings through your attitude. And so always dwell on something good. Always control your thoughts, manage your thoughts, keep them on something positive. That's why the Bible says in Isaiah 26, 3, I believe it is, he whose mind is stayed on me is kept in perfect peace. That's because you're thinking about God, and you're thinking about his goodness, and you're thinking about how much he loves you, and you're thinking about his promises, and you're thinking that he's with you, and he's for you. See, you kept in perfect peace. Your attitude is good. Now, I believe what God is saying, your attitude will never be excellent. You'll never have an excellent attitude unless you spend some time with him. See, being able to maintain a good attitude, I believe it stems from being with God because he's the source of all good. And so God's the one that fills your heart. God's the one that fills your spirit. God fills your mind. If you fill your mind with his word and spend time with him, it affects your attitude. You can't have a good attitude if you haven't spent any time with God because you don't have that inner fortitude and the spiritual strength to be able to display a good attitude regardless of the circumstances. I believe that's a strength that comes from being with God that we are able to display. See, Paul's ability to display a great attitude after being whipped and beaten and imprisoned and all of that, he's still singing at midnight. He's singing praises. But see, I believe that's coming from his relationship with God. And so he said, he whose mind stayed on me is kept in perfect peace. God saying, you have a good attitude. You have a good attitude. You spend some time with me. That's one of the fringe benefits of spending time with God. We're able to have a great attitude. I don't believe you can have a great attitude apart from God is really difficult to do because he's the source of all good. We get all of our goodness from God. We get all of our goodness from God. I like something that someone said about attitude. It says that a happy person is not a person in a certain set of circumstances. A happy person is not a person in a certain set of circumstances, but rather a person with a certain set of attitudes. That's what Hugh Downs said. A happy person is not a person within a certain set of circumstances, but it's a person that has a certain set of attitudes. And so that's something that we get from the presence of God. I'm going to share some good biblical attitudes with you in a minute when I get there. I'm a couple of pages ahead of myself, but I'm having fun anyway. Anyway, when I get there, I'm going to share some biblical attitudes. Attitudes are so powerful. We have attitude tests all the time. One of our members, Glenn, he was sharing with me uh, maybe a week or two ago on his job. He told me, he said, he lost a contract. The contract was worth tens of thousands of dollars. He lost a contract on his job, and he was going to get commission on that contract. So he said, this thing just like hit him in the stomach, you know, because he just saw his money flying out the window there with the contract. But he said he felt like that was a test. And so he decided, he said, you know what, I'm going to have a good attitude anyway. And so he went on and he brightened up and he went on and just kept doing his work with excellence and kept giving God glory and praise and kept trying to be his very best. And he said about a week later, the company who had canceled the contract called him back and said, we want to do the contract. 
Not only do we want to do it, we want to do more than you had originally contracted us for. See, that's the goodness of God. And see, Glenn told me, he said, I believe God was testing my attitude. I believe he was testing me to see how I was going to respond, how I was going to react in a set of adverse circumstances. But he said, because I maintain a good attitude in, in spite of the circumstances, God bless me. God bless us. I believe all the time, every day we have these occasions for a test, to test our attitude, to test our attitude. We always have attitude tests. And, you know, your attitude, it really makes a difference in how you face challenges. Your attitude makes a difference in how you face challenges. When David got ready to face Goliath, he had a different attitude. Everybody else was afraid of Goliath because he was so big. But when David looked at him, David said, he's so big, I can't miss his attitude was different. They both were looking at the same thing, but he had a different attitude. He said, this guy's so big, there's no way I can miss him. So David was just thrilled to have the opportunity to go at this guy. He said, he's big, he's slow, he's clumsy. I'll eat him alive. <laughs> David was looking at himself. He said, I'm small, I'm nimble, I'm quick. And, you know, and so David analyzed him, but he looked at him. He had a different attitude. And sure enough, he responded and acted out that attitude. And so attitude makes a difference in how you face challenges. I like this little story. U.S. Marine Chesty Puller, he found himself surrounded by eight enemy divisions during the Korean War. His response was, now, keep in mind, he's surrounded by eight enemy divisions all around him. His response was, all right, they are on our left, they are on our right, they are in front of us, they are behind us. He said, they can't get away from us this time. See, that was the attitude he took. <laughs> now, I don't know how he came out, but that was the, <laughs> that was the attitude he took, at least going into <laughs> And so your attitude has a great deal of play in how you face your challenges. Having a winning attitude makes a difference in how you face challenges. So, you know, many times in life it's not the problems you face that matters, but it's your attitude towards them. It's your attitude towards them. It's not the problem, it's your attitude towards them. And so we have this ability to choose and manage our attitudes every day. And remember, I told you last time that I believe that it's important that we should set the tone early in the morning. We should set the tone in the morning of the attitude that we're going to embrace for the day. Albert Hubbard, he put it this way. He said, be pleasant until 10 a.m. and the rest of the day will take care of itself. And so that's setting that attitude first thing in the morning. I love this little poem. I've shared it several times before, but it says, dear Lord. So far, I've done all right. I haven't gossiped, haven't lost my temper, haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, or selfish, or overindulgent. I have not whined, cursed, or eaten chocolate. Anyway, Lord, I'm really happy about that. But in a few minutes, God, I'm going to be getting out of bed, and from that point on, I'm going to need a lot more help. <laughs> and so that's having a good attitude first thing in the morning, and it sets the tone. It sets the tone. For the rest of your day. Now God is very aware of our attitude. He takes account of our attitude. Our attitude is important to God. You'll find God dealing one-on-one -on -one with people. Remember the Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. Now see, it didn't say God loves a giver. It said God loves a cheerful giver. And that's nothing but attitude. That's nothing but attitude. It's the attitude. He wants someone with a cheerful giver. I brought a little video of a cheerful giver. A.B., if you can roll that. We played this one Sunday during the offering time. But I get a kick out of it just watching it. 
God loves a cheerful giver. So I'm sure God loves that guy. <laughs> God loves a cheerful giver. And that's attitude. That's attitude. God loves the attitude. He loves the attitude. He loves that cheerful attitude. There's another scripture, Isaiah 119, says that if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Notice it didn't say if you be obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. It says if you be willing. Willing is attitude. If you have a willing attitude, if you have a willing heart, if you want to do it. In other words, God's saying, if I can look in the inside of you and see that you really want to do this, and you're approaching it with a great attitude, and you're obedient, you'll eat the good of the lamb. Willing and obedient. Brother Kenneth Hagin, I learned this verse from him years and years ago, but Brother Kenneth Hagin said that he was pastoring a church, and the Lord had told him to leave his church and go out into the field as an evangelist. And he said he did it, and he said after a few months, he said he was really struggling. He just didn't have enough money to make ends meet. He said he went to the Lord about it. He said, Lord, he said, now I'm out here on the field doing what you told me to do. Now my children are not adequately fed. They're not adequately clothed. We don't have enough. He said, now this is not your will, God, because your word says if you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. And here I have, I've been obedient. I left my church just like you told me, and I'm out here in field evangelism like you told me, but yet I'm not eating the good of the land. And he said, the Lord says, but you're not willing. And Brother Hagin said, it didn't take him but 10 seconds to become willing. <laughs> well, see, that was a little adjustment of attitude. That was a little adjustment of attitude. He adjusted his attitude. He became willing and obedient. So God looks at the attitude. The attitude is part. In fact, with the children of Israel... One of the reasons they didn't make it into the promised land, there were about, I don't know, there were somewhere between five to seven reasons why they didn't make it into the promised land. You had unbelief, the Bible says, because of their unbelief, their idolatry, their lust, their fornication, their disobedience. But one of them was their attitude because they murmured, because they complained all the time. Their attitude kept them. That was one of the reasons they were kept from entering the promised land. Their attitude. They failed the attitude test. That was actually one of the reasons that they were not allowed to enter the promised land. Somebody said this. I liked it. I wrote it down. It says, the more you complain the less you obtain. The more you complain, see, because they were complaining, then the less they got. They didn't get the promised land. So the more you complain, the less you obtain. The more you complain, the less you obtain. They were complaining 
about everything. They complain, you brought us out here to die, we don't have anything to eat. God gave them something to eat, then they said, now we don't have anything to drink. God gave them something to drink, then they said, well, we're tired of eating the same thing every day. And then, you know, there's just one thing after another. <laughs> so they were just murmuring, and they were just complaining, murmuring and complaining. And so God was just sick and tired of that attitude that they had. They had an ungrateful, unthankful, just a complaining, murmuring attitude. And so the more you complain, the less you obtain. But attitude is one of the things that kept them out of the promised land. Now, flip over to the book of Philippians. Let me give you this because I'm almost out of time, but I want to give you this. These are some biblical attitudes. These are biblical attitudes I found in the book of Philippians. And I don't know if I was trying to prove the point that I said Philippians is the best attitude book in the Bible. I don't know if I was trying to prove that or not. But anyway, I found these in the, in the book of, all of these are in the book of Philippians. I found them. But these are some powerful biblical attitudes to have that we learn in Philippians. We learn the attitude of humility, Philippians 2, 3, 2, 8, attitude of humility. We learn the attitude of service, Philippians 2, 7. We earn the attitude of obedience, Philippians 2, 8. We learn the importance of having a teachable attitude, Philippians 4, 9. We learn the attitude of prayer, Philippians 4, 6. We learn the importance of having an unselfish attitude, Philippians 2, 4. We learn about having a positive attitude, Philippians 4, 8 and 2, 14. We learn the importance of pursuing your highest potential in Christ, Philippians 1, 6, 1, 9, 3, 14, 4, 13. We learn about having a joyful attitude, Philippians 3, 1, Philippians 4, 4. We learn about having a persevering, a patient attitude. We learn about having a hopeful attitude, a believing attitude, attitude of faith, a trusting attitude, Philippians 1.20, We learn the attitude of having a loving attitude, having a loving attitude, Philippians 2, 1, 2, and 3, also Philippians chapter 1. We learn about having an attitude of gratitude, Philippians 4, 6, and 4, 11. So those are just some great attitudes to have. Those are biblical attitudes, and those are all in the book of Philippians. I didn't go outside of the book of Philippians. I just pulled all of those out in the book of Philippians, and I might have been trying to prove my point that Philippians... <laughs> I had told you how Philippians is the greatest attitude book in the Bible, but all of those were in the book of Philippians. Attitudes are contagious. Attitudes are contagious. Is yours worth catching? Attitudes are contagious. Is your attitude worth catching? Well, Paul had such a positive, winning attitude, he wanted others to catch his attitude. And I believe that's why he dedicated the book of Philippians, to show people how to have a great attitude in tough times, how to have a great attitude in trying times, not to be swayed by your circumstances, but you can still maintain your joy, you can still have a great outlook on life, you can still look for something positive, you can still look for something good, that you can still sing at the midnight hour even if you're locked up in stocks and bonds and in prison here's a guy singing at midnight man what a great attitude what a great attitude in other words he's saying you can lock up my hands and feet but you can't lock up my spirit you can't lock up my attitude i'll still praise him i'll still worship him i'll still have an attitude of faith man what an attitude what an attitude what an attitude what an attitude 
What an attitude. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Well, I'm going to stop right there. I'm not done, but I'm just going to stop. <laughs> I'm not done. I'm just bringing myself to a stop, bringing myself to a close. But I pray that you glean something, that something has sparked you and just to make you cognizant and aware of your attitude at all times and to maintain a positive outlook on life, a positive approach to life. Having an upbeat, victorious attitude and a grateful attitude, a love attitude, and just displaying a good attitude before God. Because God, he honors that. God honors that. God knows what you're going through. He sees you when people do you wrong. He sees you when you go through difficult times. And he just want to give you a test of your attitude. See how you're going to handle it. How you're going to handle it. Are you maturing at all? You've been going to church all these years. Have you learned anything? <laughs> you know, is it making any difference in your life? And in fact, Philippians, I believe, chapter 2, verse 13, 14, 15. But in verse 15, it talks about, in these little verses there, it talks about having a great attitude. He talks about not murmuring and not complaining. And then he goes on to say, because you are light, you're witnesses in the world. And so I believe that our attitudes are meant to be such a great witnessing tool to the world. The way we conduct ourselves, the way we have an attitude in all circumstances, it's a light to others. It's meant to be a light for the world. It's meant for us to represent the goodness of God. And this is what will confuse the world because they will see all that you're dealing with and going through. And yet you still have an attitude of faith and you're still grateful and you're still singing. And you're still worshiping. You're still honoring God. It's an attitude that ministers life to others. It's letting your light shine. And so that's what it talks about. That was one of the uh, verses I wanted to take you to. I believe it's Philippians 2, 13, 14. But it's actually verse 15 that talks about it. Anyway, I'm out of time. I'm out of time. I'm out of time. Those of you watching us, on television. I want you to go to brothersoftheword.com. You can watch this entire series absolutely free of charge. You can also email it to a friend. Winning with Attitude. Thank you so much for joining us today at Brothers of the Word because brother you need the word. Amen. Amen. You are listening to brothersoftheword.com. This was part three of the series titled Winning with Attitude by C. Elijah Bronner. This message is number 7761. That's 7761. To listen to over a thousand free messages or to send this message number 7761 to a friend, go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to IWantToGive.com. That's IWantToGive.com. Listen to brothersoftheword.com often because, brother, you need the word. Oh,